and welcome to my humble little podcast. I am feeling such a strong sense of imposter syndrome right now. My goodness, what am I even doing here? Like most people, I hate listening to my own voice. And because I don't have a huge budget to pay editors right now, I'm doing all my own edits. So a podcast is something I've had lingering in the back of my mind for a while now. But like I said, that little voice of doubt just chipped away at me and it's had me questioning if I even had anything worthy to talk about. I guess that's going to be up to you, my dear listener, to decide. But I wanted to kick off with an episode introducing myself and giving you a little bit of insight into the journey that led me here. I've been through some big stuff and I do believe that to become embodied, truly meeting ourselves, we have to be tested. We spend so much time developing an identity and an ego to match that when everything you know about yourself is called into question or just taken away, you're only left with yourself. And I think most of us spend so much time avoiding our stuff and seeking out distractions just so we can stay hidden behind the identity that we've created. Because if we aren't the version of ourselves that we work so hard to project, then who are we? And I got sucked into this in my early 20s. I'm a people pleaser from way back. I wanted to be liked, still do, so I learned early in life to be bubbly, entertaining and fun. I made myself smaller so that people wouldn't see how clever I actually was. I struggled to say no without guilt rising up. Those thoughts of, oh, what if they don't like me if I say no kind of surfaced up. And so basically what I'm talking about is boundaries. I never really learned how to set them well because I wasn't really being true to my authentic self most of the time. In my, in my late teens, early 20s, I was with my first real boyfriend and I think looking back now, neither of us really had enough emotional maturity to be in that relationship. I had a bit of a strange relationship with my own mother in my late teens and I realize now that having a boyfriend was my way to transfer those feelings of insecurity and neediness. But of course, the young man I was dating lacked a lot of empathy and had a very strong need to project his own ego. You know, like a baboon kind of (laughs) beating his chest and screaming at other monkeys and trying to see who would be the alpha. (laughs) I know it was toxic, especially towards the end. He would disappear for days, sometimes weeks at a time if I called. He'd either not answer or even worse, he'd answer and scream abuse at me. And I started to believe that there was something wrong with me because he told me so often that there was. And because I had unresolved attachment issues with my mother, you can see where this is going, I had no sense of self. I had given my power away because I wanted to be pleasant. I wanted to be liked. Even when he was treating me so badly to the point where I started getting physically sick, I kept trying to turn it around. The more he told me I wasn't worthy, the more I wanted to prove to him that I was. And I look back now and I realize it's pretty fucked up, but it's also not unusual. Was this what might be coined an abusive relationship? I think it could be, but there was two unhealed, unwhole people who were projecting their wounded inner child onto each other. And I've worked really hard to forgive him and myself because unforgiveness just hurts you. It becomes toxic to you. It doesn't hurt the other person. 
did it teach me how to suddenly become this embodied young woman who had kick-ass boundaries? Mm, not so much. I did eventually end it, but even then I struggled to let him go. I still wanted him to miss me and think about me. I wanted him to realize what a great catch I was and he should want me back. And this is so common, right? Like, do I need to mention revenge body, anyone? My ego needed to know that I was occupying his thoughts, even after we separated. I needed to feel wanted. Energetically, I was still entangled with him for months after the split. He had become a part of my identity and shedding him was like admitting there was a chunk of me I had no idea what to do with. So I did what any 21-year-old does. I went out most nights. I got drunk every weekend and I cried when I was alone in my car. (laughs) And I was in my car a lot. Uh, I lost most of my friends during that breakup because they were either already his friends to begin with or they just didn't like me anymore. (laughs) And that was my fault. I'd, I'd let him isolate me to the point where I didn't really have anyone to turn to. And that was the first time in my life I can remember feeling lost. I'd never felt more alone, even when I was out with people all the time. It's like when you're living in this superficial place, it just invites more of the same energy. I was surrounded by people who were all living in ego and caught up in creating their own identity. So no one was connecting with me any more than I was connecting with myself. My behavior at times was self-flagellating, but occasionally irresponsible or dangerous. And one of the things that stands out to me as something that relates to this is when I started a job in a day spa after the breakup and my boss in this place, she was just awful. Another egocentric human that I had just pulled into my sphere. And I, I do think in the hindsight that you realize these were lessons that bring you to where you are now. But at the time, it was just like toxic. And I remember one night she offered to take me out and I was so excited to go. She was a lot older than me and she told me she had some really cool friends for me to meet. What actually happened was she took me to her boyfriend's football, Best and Fairest, where there was literally 30 or 40 drunk, horny guys. And I was one of probably three girls there. Okay, so I wasn't completely stupid. I recognized this could be a dicey situation if I didn't have my wits about me. So I opted not to drink. I didn't really know where I was and I didn't have enough money to afford a taxi home. So I was relying on my boss to take care of me. But halfway through the night, she just disappeared. And I was left alone with a slowly deteriorating room full of young men. If it wasn't so awful, it would almost be comical. I felt like they were circling and salivating. (laughs) After a while, my boss did reappear and she said we could leave. I thought we were going home, but instead she said we were going back to her boyfriend's house and taking one of the guys with us. By this stage, I actually really had no idea what part of Melbourne we were in and I couldn't have called a taxi even if I'd wanted to because I didn't know the address of where she'd taken me. My boss told me that the random guy had been selected for me and we could spend the night alone together in her boyfriend's spare room. Yeah, like I said, she's awful. (laughs) I was actually pretty scared. If I, it hadn't, 
if I hadn't been such a people pleaser, I would have thrown down a little bit more instead of letting her manipulate me like that. I didn't want to spend the night with this random guy, but she took us into the room and literally closed the door. And the random guy, he wasn't drunk, but I definitely think he'd taken some sort of drugs. I told him I wasn't interested in sleeping with him. I see this part in two ways. First, he made it clear that he very much did want that to happen. And if I got up and moved away, he would follow me. He would keep trying to hug or kiss me, but he didn't force himself on me beyond that. The second way I look at it is this, that... I was put in a very dangerous situation by a person who should have been looking after me and had a duty of care. And while the rando should have respected my distance, it could have been a lot worse. I look back at that night and I wish I had found that inner strength, my reverberating, no, my boundary. I just didn't know how to access it then. And I was worried about upsetting my boss. And part of that was you know, the education and the strength that comes from being a female in this world. But it comes back to me knowing my boundaries and my no. And at that stage in my life, I just didn't know what it was. Eventually, I did find my ladyballs and I quit that shitty job not long after. And it was actually after another incident that almost saw me get assaulted. <laughs> she, my boss, would often leave me alone. I was working in a, as a beauty therapist at the time. She would leave me alone in the salon all day. And I didn't like it. I didn't feel comfortable. But I didn't really, again, know any better. And I was so excited just to have a job in the industry. I just didn't realize that there were so many bad things happening. <laughs> And there was this male client who started to become overly attached to me. I always felt uncomfortable when he booked in and I did mention it to her and she didn't care. So this particular afternoon, he was booked in at the last minute by her and I was left alone with him. And I tried to rush through his treatment and I can't even remember what it is now. I left the door to the treatment room wide open and I thought I was in the home run when we got to the reception area. And then as he was leaving, he grabbed me for a hug and then tried to kiss me. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and I'm, I don't personally think that I had given him any indication that that was something that I was interested in. And we were in a professional setting. And I look back now and I blamed myself for that happening when it really... It was just something that should never have even had the opportunity to manifest. But again, that was me needing to set my boundary. And I did after this. I rang my boss and I told her what happened. I told her upset I was and that I wished that she hadn't put me in that position. And her response, are you seriously getting upset over this? Um, as a person who has become a boss myself, um, I was, I'm, I'm gobsmacked by that response. I would never, ever want an employee to be put in that position, especially a young one. And so I quit in the exact same phone call. And that was one of the first times I remember really standing up for myself as an adult. I was shaking and I just felt like no one was supporting me or listening to me. I think it drove me deeper into my ego in some ways. 
the deep-rooted, self-limiting belief that there was something really wrong with me had started to bloom. And the more that horrible voice crept in, the harder I worked on this shiny veneer. The ego, the identity. Look at the sparkly side. Don't, don't look at the dark stuff. And unfortunately, sometimes you do start to believe you're in hype or you're in bullshit. I didn't love myself because I didn't know myself. I thought that who I was was broken, that there was something really wrong with me. And if anyone saw that, they would reject me. So I spent a fair bit of time with superficial friends who were always up for a good time, but never really asked probing questions. And it it allowed me to live my life in my ego, my identity of this happy, fun-loving, carefree, ditzy girl. And it wasn't until I met my now husband that things really began to shift. There is so much to unpack here because I have to believe that I cannot be the only person that has started my journey into healing and self-awareness from a place of not having strong boundaries and hiding in a place of identity and ego. And I know that it's true because I see it all the time. And I didn't know that there was anything more. There's this feeling for so many of disconnection and everybody wants to be connected and seen and loved. And yet, we just haven't connected to ourselves. We don't know ourselves in a lot of ways. And some of that includes going through our pain and our trauma. And that's not easy. It's not an easy thing to ask. It's not an easy thing to do. But I think with the social media and everyone living their life in almost an inauthentic way, we're hiding behind this shiny perfection only broadcasting the best version of ourself, the best parts of our day and our life, that we have become more disconnected than ever. And everything that I want to talk about and everything I do talk about with my students and my community is about bridging that gap and coming back to self. And I can only talk from a place of my own journey and my own experience and my own vulnerability. It's very vulnerable to put this out there. So come with me. I'm going to break this up into episodes and you can see my journey. And if that resonates with you, I hope that I can just bring a little bit of something into your day and let's see what happens. Just letting you know before you head off that I am doing a lot of this work in what I've called the reset program, mindfulness without the BS. And I'm working with you guys one-on-one. I'm coaching you through clarity, purpose, letting go, releasing the identity, the survival mode, and moving into this new space where you feel like anything is possible, that You don't have to get rid of your whole life to change the way you think about it. And that's the beauty of what I'm teaching. It's, it's takes out all the crap. I'm not going to go tell you to go for a walk. It's, I mean, you can, but I'm going to tell you a lot of other things and a lot of stuff that I've learned through this journey. And if you're interested, 
I am taking applications at the moment for the new year 2023 starting in February. So please go to the link in the description and have a look at what I'm doing. And if it resonates, then hit me up and I will get back to you personally. So hopefully I can meet some of my beautiful listeners soon. Take care, guys. Thank you.